Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. Thank you so much for including me in your day. I'm going to lead off with the Friday Farm Report because I don't know when else in this hour I'm going to fit it in. Uh, So every day, starting yesterday, we are going to do a holiday hint, and I am collecting your holiday hints as well. I shared a holiday hint yesterday. Um, about taking your artwork off your walls and wrapping it in your Christmas paper and then hanging it back up. It's like instant Christmas decor. I then, yesterday afternoon, posted a video on my Facebook page. Um, So if you go to Reconnect with Carmen on Facebook, you can watch my video on my kitchen table of me wrapping a piece of my artwork that is now hanging back on the wall in my front entry. So there you go. We're going to offer a holiday hint every single day. I love that you're sending me your holiday hints. The best way to do that is via email. So you email me, carmen at myfaithradio.com. And in the subject line, you put holiday hints and share your holiday hints with me. And um, I'm going to share a bunch of them over the course of this month. So thank you so much for that. Winter realities. Here on the farm, the winter reality is I did not bring the poinsettias in from the porch, and they are now sad, frozen little sticks. So there you go. Also, for those of you concerned with the ongoing effort at the LaBerge farm to eradicate the rats, yes, that effort continues. Here's the most devastating discovery so far. Those sweet potatoes that we grew and um, put under the house, you know, packed in sawdust like we always do. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. that's where they've been feasting. So there you go. So we no longer have our own sweet potatoes because, yes, we fed the pestilence with those. So there you go. Um, it is a movie time of year. I don't know about you, but our family definitely gets out the whole stack of Christmas movies and we watch them uh, over the course of weeks leading up to and including Christmas week. And we have several versions of A Christmas Carol. Um, In our family, um, the George C. Scott and the Patrick Stewart versions are definitely top of list. Also like the one, um, I want to say it has Henry Winkler in it, but am I crazy? Is it somebody, Henry? Yeah, it was the American Christmas Carol with Henry Winkler, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of our favorites as well. Um, But I will say probably top of list is the Muppet Christmas Carol. (laughs) in our family in terms of the crowd pleaser. But definitely Jim's favorite is Patrick Stewart version. So what's your favorite version? I'd love to hear from you. You can text me at 877-933-2484. So far, lots of votes for the George C. Scott version and lots of votes for Mickey's Christmas Carol, which has, you know, Scrooge McDuck. Um, So we're going to talk with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In about the timeless message of A Christmas Carol. So text me your favorite version, 
888-528-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. Spirit, the message if we hear it is make it last No, Dr. Castro, nobody so far has said Mr. Magoo. You but did, thank Carmen. You, you oh, did. Well, oh, nobody well, I said, said it. Bionic Christmas no. Carol, which was an episode <laughs> of The Six Million Dollar Man. Nobody said that one. <laughs> Adam Holtz is here from Focus on the Families, plugged in. Um, Adam, how many versions of A Christmas Carol uh, have you seen? Oh, have I seen? Mm hmm. I'm going to go with half a dozen just off the top of my head, but 11, don't 12, make me name 13, 14, them. I'm actually yeah. frantically searching YouTube right now for the bionic Christmas Carol, because I don't remember that <laughs> one. And pretty much Steve Austin was, um, he was my man back in the seventies. So I need to see. That I have, one. I have 29 versions listed here in front of me and I'm taking votes. So 29, 29 even, versions. I, I, it's probably not your, even the comprehensive list. No, it's not. What I was going to say was um, if we want to count stage, screen, and audio recordings as of 2016, there were 135 versions. <gasps> so, you know, you're just wow. uh, you're just getting started. Yeah, no, I, I'm not. Uh, yeah, so I'm not even going to try. So talk with us about um, why, uh, I mean, like, why we're so enamored with this. There's a, um, there's a blog at, uh, at Plugged In right now. Um, about the timeless message of a Christmas Carol, and we want everybody to go and yeah. read it shamelessly. We do it's, shamelessly. It's written by Paul AC, my compatriot at Plugged In. Paul is an amazing writer. I won't spend too much more time than that, but this is one of my favorite things that he has ever written for Plugged In. And his premise is, you know, this was written in 1843, so like 179 years ago, something like that. What has endured in popular culture that long? Well. Not much, really. I mean, in terms of this kind of production, obviously we got Shakespeare. They're the classics, but uh, most things come and go pretty quickly. And Paul just reflects on the fact that this deals with some of the core issues of the human condition, not the least of which is how we make mistakes. And, um, you know, we hear from Paul quotes one of the one of the ghosts. I think it's the ghost of Christmas present. And he says, I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link, yard by yard. I girded it on of my own free will, and of my own free will I wore it. And I just, it just causes you to stop and ponder the choices you're making, big and little. Mm -hmm. What chains are we forging? Where are we forging toward freedom to help people? Because I think, you know, ultimately this is a story about freedom about forgiveness, about a fresh start. Uh, so I, I think it continues to have deep cultural resonance for those reasons. Yeah, I think that's a Jacob Marley uh, quote. I wear the chain I forge, forge in light. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yep. So amazing. Read, read Paul's um, article. <laughs> yeah, read Paul's article. All right. Um, let's um let's talk about the Daily Disciple YouTube channel. There's a ton of content. There's a ton of quote unquote Christian content out there. Um, but you yeah. guys you guys like this one. And so I wanted to yeah. I wanted to direct people to it. Talk with us about the Daily Disciple. 
channel on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, The Daily Disciple is a YouTube channel that is run by Isaac. I'm going to probably butcher his last name, Mogilevsky. And I'm just going with Isaac with M. Isaac M, yeah. And he mm-hmm. says that his his purpose is to break down the questions and struggles that viewers so that viewers can receive the invitation that Christ offers. And so we have a review, both of his YouTube channel, and then on our blog, we also have an interview with him as well. And and Isaac says, my heart and hope is that you'll always see a drawing back to the gospel, the key of Jesus and him coming to save us from our sin, our ultimate problem. Let's get to the heart of it. We've all sinned before God and we need salvation. And that's through Jesus. And, you know, certainly at Plugged In, we review lots of stuff that we wouldn't recommend. But one of the things that we're trying to do with our YouTube channel reviews is to point people toward content that really is redemptive and encouraging. And I think um, Daily Disciple definitely fits that fits that mold. All right, people are concerned that um, that I have rats eating my sweet potatoes. That's actually uh, consuming the text line this morning. And so let me be clear. Okay, technically they're not rats. I'm calling them rats because they're rat size. They're technically field mice. And if apparently a Big field ones. mouse eats sweet potatoes for months on end, they become rat size. And so that's the issue at my house uh-huh. right now. Uh-huh. And it's technically... Well, technically under my house but it doesn't matter to me they're there and i can hear them you need to eradicate them yes i do i'm trying to eradicate (laughs) yeah i am i am um we're talking with adam holtz from focus on the families plugged in and when we come back we're going to answer the question what did 343 and a quarter million people do well hours 300, what did people do this past week for 343.23 million hours? What if I told you that they all watched one show? What do you think that show was? 343.23 million hours viewed this week on Netflix alone of one show. What do you think it was? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Hey, did you hear the news recently? There are now 8 billion people in the world. My name's Carmen LaBerge. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Here at Faith Radio, we are telling the whole world about Jesus and helping believers live out their faith every day. If you'd like to help us do that, you're still needed. Your financial support changes lives. You can make a difference with your gift right now at MyFaithRadio.com. Help us reach the world for Jesus Christ. We're Marley and Marley, Everest and Green. All right, a bionic Christmas carol, $6 million man version, season four, episode 10, 1976. That is what you're looking for, Adam Holtz. That is the best Christmas present I've gotten yet this year. Oh, so NBC has it posted, so you can you can have it as well. Um, I'm going to watch it. 343.23 million hours. That's a lot of time, um, yep. and that's how much time people spent last week watching one show what was the show on netflix the show was wednesday on netflix. wednesday like, hump day wednesday. it's not hump day. hump day it's a it's a nod to the adams family character yep. wednesday wednesday adams so wednesday has gone off to a school for unusual and gifted uh and uh preternatural and supernatural children who are precocious and um, 
she is involved trying to solve a mystery of a really nasty pilgrim who did really nasty things hundreds of years earlier. And she keeps having these sort of psychic visions of the really horrific, like witch burning things he did. And of course, since it's 2022 and this is on Netflix, this show is woke in about every way it can be woke. I mean, it's anti-Christian. Wednesday is, you know, uh, actually a really, really compelling character. I understand why people like the show because she doesn't take any guff off of anybody. But but this is a show that, that I think sort of embraces a supernatural and a pagan sensibility at the expense of Christianity. So that's a, that's a big problem. And maybe closer to home, we've got sexual references. We've got profanity. You know, we've got your run-of-the-mill content issues. Um, I actually think that if you are looking for a worldview exercise and you have teens who are into this show, instead of just saying, no, 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 that's garbage. We're not going to watch that. I would sit down with them and watch it and say, okay, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the spiritual things that are popping up here. Because uh, I think it's navigable, but I think if it's not, if you don't discuss it, there are a lot of bad seeds being planted here. And that's the key with so much of our media is, you know, we've got to engage it actively. So, I mean, full full confession, my 14-year-old daughter got turned on to this show before I even knew she existed. So she has contributed in the last week. But I sat down with her and watched an episode and a half and said, okay, there's some things here that I, I really don't like and that I'm concerned with, but I think this is a great opportunity to talk about worldview and talk about the ideas that are coming at us. Okay. And speaking of worldview and the ideas that are coming at us, the Wing Feather Saga, you can start watching uh-huh. it tonight. Woohoo! You can. You can. Um, and that obviously is uh, an Angel Studio crowdfunded production. This is an animated take on Andrew Peterson's beloved four book series, The Wing Feather Saga, which is um, without diving too deeply into a plot. It is a, it's a fantasy series. It's got dragons. It's got lizard like people called the Dangs. <laughs> it's kind of the funny. fangs of Dang, uh, the fangs of Dang. Um, and, uh, so I think if you are familiar with this book story, this book series, you're probably going to love this cartoon. It's a great alternative to so much of the stuff that's out there today. It's not explicitly Christian, uh, but kind of like Lord of the Rings, you don't have to dig too deep to find a subtext that, that certainly resonates with Christianity. And if you missed our conversations two days ago with Ellie Holcomb, whose voice you hear um, in the Wing Feather Saga, or if you missed our conversation yesterday with Andrew Peterson and Chris Wall on the same topic, you can grab those later today at MyFaithRadio.com. Um, this is in my family, um, Adam, like, uh, we're so excited. I, I mean, I'll just yeah. I sh- shamelessly say we're so excited. All right, you've got tons of reviews up right now at PluggedIn.com. Want to hit a couple of them for us? Maybe I yeah. heard the bells on Christmas Day. Yeah. Yeah, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Or I heard the bells is the name of the movie. It's in theaters. And this is Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's um, tragic yet, I think, poignant and hopeful story. Uh, probably most of us are familiar with him as a famous poet. I confess I did not know much about his life, but Christmas 1960, everything was going great. He was one of the most popular uh, social figures in America. Uh, he had a loving, faithful wife. 
and, you know, a great family life. And in a year, everything changed. Uh, his wife, her dress caught on fire while she was cooking and she burns to death and he burns his face badly trying to save her. His son goes off to the civil war against his wishes and is wounded. Um, and it really is the story about him traversing, you know, to steal from, from Psalms, the valley of the shadow of death. What do we do when we go from the highest highs to the lowest lows? How do we, how do we hang on to our faith? And this is, comes courtesy to us, uh, comes courtesy of sight and sound theaters who, um, have huge stage productions in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, uh, in Branson, Missouri, and this is their first movie. So it's another really great alternative this weekend if you have a hankering to go to theaters. All right, and then tell us about Willow. You guys juxtaposed this in in a blog last week. You juxtaposed this with the Wingfeather Saga. Tell us a little bit about Disney's Willow. Yeah, you know, Willow, um, if you're of a certain age, you might be asking, is that based on the willow from the eighties. And yes, it is. And this is a pretty standard issue sword and sorcery uh, kind of fantasy world. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm very much generalizing here because there's more plot than that. It's, you know, think Lord of the Rings meets princess bride and you'll be in the right territory. Um, and so Disney has resurrected this and has a new, a new series out. And of course, as it seems like is required for Disney these days, uh, one of the main characters, she's same-sex attracted. And so I think that's the biggest content issue that parents are going to be concerned about, although there is a fair bit of violence, some language, and some some other sexual innuendo. Um, I think that for a lot of people, that will make this a non-starter. I think that if you enjoyed the original, this is true to the spirit of the original, uh, and, and it will feel familiar if you've seen it recently. I I confess, I haven't seen the original since 1988, so I probably wouldn't remember much about it. But Warwick Davis is back as Willow, who is sort of this magician uh, mentor kind of character. All right. uh, Lori has texted in, um, kind of upset that we have not yet said that season three of The Chosen comes out on the app this Sunday. How did The Chosen do in theaters um, and and what do we want to tee up for the new season? You know, The Chosen did fantastic. It's first weekend in theaters. It made $10 million. And I saw a report that it was in the top 10 the second weekend in theaters as well. The first two episodes, which were theatrically released, deal with the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus dispersing his disciples to go into, you know, into uh, into Israel and to begin healing and casting out demons and their hesitancy for doing that. And what we're seeing is that the resistance to the gospel movement is ramping up. And so the advanced word on this season is that it's going to be darker uh, just as, as they encounter more resistance from the Romans and from the Jews. But man, I saw the first two episodes and reviewed them and I loved it. I mean, I just, I love what, uh, what Dallas Jenkins is doing with The Chosen. I can't wait for the rest of season three. Yeah, I'm totally 100%, 100% with you. We, um, uh, It's going to start streaming December the 11th, so you might want to check that out. You can watch The Wingfeather Saga, and you can watch The Chosen um, at angelstudios.com. Like, that's where you go to stream them, and they're free. And you can also do it on the Angel Studios app. So that's pretty cool. Like the fact that these are crowdfunded and the fact that therefore 
they're free is pretty extraordinary and amazing. And so I want to encourage people. The content is fantastic. The production quality is excellent. Um, yeah, we're just, I couldn't be more excited about uh, the quality and the content of, of both of these uh, particular efforts. Hey, Adam, as always, thank you so much, so much for you guys to check out at pluggedin.com. Reviews from all kinds of areas of media um, going to help you and your family find the right stuff to watch and be warned against everything else that's out there. Um, as always, Adam, thank you for being with us. You bet. Thanks, Carmen. Absolutely. Hey, we got to take a break for Breakpoint. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Bless us all that as we live I want to talk for just a moment here about men. Um, If you are a man and you're listening right now, you know that um, there are challenges that you're facing in your relationships. There may be challenges you're facing in terms of your mental health and how you're feeling about things. This um, Christmas season, this holiday season, things on Thanksgiving may not have gone as you had hoped. Um, Your family may not be all that you had imagined at this point, things might be challenging and difficult. If you're a woman listening right now and you have a man in your life, all of those same things hold true. And so we, um, we want to talk with Ken Harrison. He's the CEO of Promise Keepers. And we want to talk to men and we want to talk about men. What does it look like to love and lead your family um, in the midst of this particular holiday season, one that might be filled with drama and dysfunction and mental health challenges. Um, so all of that is up next here on Mornings with Carmen. God rest Ken Harrison is back. He is the CEO of Promise Keepers. You can find lots of resources related to what we're going to discuss today at promisekeepers.org. Ken, welcome back. Hey, thanks, Carmen. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Um, We say that, that rolls off our tongues. um, And yet you and I both know there's just a lot of people facing a lot of uh, stress this time of year. They're a lot of burdens that people are carrying, um, relational challenges that men in particular are facing. So I just want to start there. Like, what's going on with men today? What are you hearing? What are you experiencing? What are men confronting this holiday season? You know, um, you know having run Promise Keepers now for five years, I, and I see two things in all people, you know, but specific to men, I see the spirit of fear in so many people now. And also there's the reaction to that, this, um, I need to do something. I need to make something happen. So there's this temptation to run off and do things in our flesh without waiting on the Lord. So I feel like I'm, I'm telling men two different things at the same time. Don't be afraid and go out and do something, but don't go out and do something in your own power. Make sure that you're filled with power of prayer and, and the Lord's favorite word is wait. (laughs) So, you know, it's sort of like opposite poles, the same message. Um, so when I think of the word wait, um, right, there's there's W-A-I-T, like wait, be patient, wait. But there's also the wait, W-E, 
I G H T. Like, right? There's the weight, there's the burden um, of right. what we're carrying right now. And I think that sometimes the men believe that they are responsible to carry the weight of the world um, and fail to recognize that, you know, like Jesus is sufficient for that. Um, so, how yeah. do we encourage men to offload what needs to be offloaded onto the Lord? Like, right? Like, stop trying to carry the weight of the world and actually. How, how do you actually like transfer that weightiness um, to him? Because he can handle it. You know, I had, I wrote this book, A Daring Faith in a Cowardly World, which you interviewed me about. And I talked in there about the Beatitudes and about how it is the guide to holiness, to true joy. And it starts off with, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. That's the first thing Jesus says as he opens up the Sermon on the Mount. And what does being poor in the spirit mean? It means when you finally come to the realization that you gave nothing for your salvation, but the sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. And that that's not my quote, that's Jonathan Edwards. But um, when we understand that we literally are utterly and completely weak, yet he has given us gifts to accomplish the works that he has assigned for us to do Ephesians 2 10, then there becomes this freedom. And the next thing after that, blessed are those who porn spirit, it's blessed are those who mourn because once you understand how completely weak you are, that you need the Lord, you begin to mourn the state of the world, mourn the state of yourself, mourn your inability to make things happen. But then the the burden rolls off. And then you can start to really become a holy man or woman of God, because you start to understand that you can have immense power. But the, the only way to get the immense power is to be a conduit of Christ's spirit. The less of you there is in there, the more the Holy Spirit is going to flow through you and be a blessing to the whole world. So how do you get rid of it? You start to realize for yourself there's only one uh, one way for me to have incredible power, and that is to be a man or woman of prayer and scripture. And when I get that, boy, that's when you look at all the great saints, that's what they were. Well, and that's, uh, that's um, you can't snuff that out. I don't, I, there was a there was a word there that um, that I was looking for, and it might be inexhaustible or it might be inextinguishable. Like right, that there you can't burn out. You cannot burn that out because it's not you, um, and it's not from you. This conduit language, I think, is so important. Um, and and so I want to um, I want to give you an opportunity to unpack that a little more fully. We're talking with Ken Harrison. His book, which we've talked about on a prior occasion, but I still highly recommend, A Daring Faith in a Cowardly World. Um, It is a look at the Beatitudes and how we really live those out in life. We're also specifically talking today about the particular burden that men are um, bearing right now in the culture in relationship to the holidays and how you're going to lead your family into and through these coming days and weeks and months um, and so, Ken, talk a little bit more about that. Like, there's this burden um, that we need to allow to roll off. And we need to become a conduit of grace. We do need to mourn the state of the world and the state of ourselves, but we don't stay in that place of mourning. We do we do get up in the dark and move forward. That's right. And that's why you see, you know, look at the Apostle Paul, someone who lived what a life that none of us would choose to have, right? He spent his whole life shipwrecked and beaten and cold and hungry. And yet look where he's going to be in heaven, this, this place he's going to be in. But one of the things I tell men all the time is there's only three things you can control. And, and women, this is a great message for you too. There's only three things in this whole world you can control. That is who or what you trust, your attitude about it, and what you do. That's all. And when you start to understand that, that means you can't, control somebody else's attitude. 
or what anybody else's does, you start to have get rid of this burden of trying to control the things around you. You can't control anything except for what you yourself do. And so for our kids, for our wives, what we can do is do everything we can to be a blessing, to be the kind of man our kids and our wives would want to follow, um, to be gentle and loving. But ultimately, you know, I have a, a friend of mine who is one of the most godly uh, men I know. I've discipled him for years. He's got a divorce. His wife just said, I'm not saved. I never was a Christian. I hate your faith. And I married you thinking that someday I could get you to walk away from your faith. But now that you don't want to, I'm going to go cheat on you with some other guy and try to take your two daughters from you. You can't control it when you get to that understanding. But what I can do is I can control me. And most of the time, when you are a respectable, godly man, your wife is going to love you and respond to that. And I tell men this all the time. The Bible tells men to um, love their wives for a reason, because what do women want? They want to be loved. They want to be cherished. They want to feel safe and secure with their husband. But what does it tell a wife to do? Does it tell her to love her husband? No, because it's nat- much more natural for a woman to love her husband. It tells her to respect her husband because a man so desperately needs to be respected. And I ask men all this time, if you really think about this, if you dig into it, if you had your choice, would you rather be loved by your wife or respected by your wife? They almost all say respected. That's an interesting thing. I don't think a lot of women understand about men. Men want their wives to hang on their words, to, to, to have this huge respect for everything they do. And then the next thing for me is of course, well, if that's what you want, then be respectable. Right. If you, you don't just get respect, you want to be the kind of man that she does look up to with great respect. And that takes a lot of work. And, and it's, it's easy as a woman to um, be in godly submission to a man who loves you and who is worthy of respect. Like all of that is wound up um, together in these conversations. We're talking with Ken Harrison. He is the CEO of Promise Keepers. You will recall our prior conversation about his recent book, A Daring Faith in a Cowardly World. That would make a great Christmas gift for a man in your life who you love. Um, I want to talk for a moment, Ken, about uh, the stigma that persists related to men um, seeking help when they face mental health challenges. Um, we yeah. recently had a conversation in my own family um, about this. You know, young, young guys uh, who know they need help. But there is a persisting stigma in our culture related to that. Can you address that? One of the strongest things that you can ever do as a man is to be vulnerable. It's very, very hard. It's, again, one of those things where we want to be respected, so therefore we, we put on this face. Well, nothing touches me. It's funny, when my, my wife travels to go see her parents, and I'm alone, I watch old movies, you know, movies that were from the 70s that I would only see on TV. And I was watching Dirty Harry Magnum Force um, a few weeks ago. And it, I was so sad when I watched that movie because I'd only seen it on TV. And in it, he's framed you know, for something he didn't do. And but what you get from that movie is he has no friends, none. Nope. Mm. He's been on this department for 30 years. There's nobody he can turn to. He's suspicious of everybody. And I thought, what a miserable way to live. And it, as you may recall, I was a Los Angeles police officer. So it hit me close to home. And we have this problem of the, the friendless American male, as Coach McCartney first put it on there. And one of the reasons we have less and less men with any true friends is because we don't have a, the ability to be real with each other and say, hey, I need a brother to stand up for me. And it doesn't mean you're cowardly. But man, when I was on the LAPD, 
we would get in shootings all the time. We would have horrible things. And how did men handle those things? We'd go to the bar, drink beer and tell jokes and make fun of each other for whatever it was. That was the only way for us to sort of get this off our chest, not in a real way, but at least it was something it was joking about, Hey, that, you know, that guy threw you into a wall and, and everybody would laugh. Men have a very hard time saying, I, I really, I need help. I'm not strong in that area. Nobody is strong in every area. Nobody is gifted in every area. Some of us are very gifted in certain ways and not so gifted in others. If you want me to write a book, I can write you a book. If you want me to change, to, to fix your car, not so good at it. <laughs> right. And mm-hmm. it's okay not to be great at everything. Um, you make me think there of like Jonathan and David, um, but also the example of, let's say, Samwise Gamgee, um, Frodo's steadfast <laughs> companion, right? Like every, every, like every Frodo, like right, every guy who's out there on a quest that he alone can do um, needs a Sam, a Samwise Gamgee. Like you need that guy. You, you, you need that physically strong emotionally strong, steadfast, um, never, never wavering. You can't drive him away kind of friend. Um, I yearn for that for the men in my life. Maybe we could talk in a moment about um, how to help the men in our lives um, find and cultivate those kinds of friendships. Could we, could we do that? That's a great point. I'd love to do that. All right. We're talking Um, We're talking with Ken Harrison. We're talking about men and the realities that they face today in our culture. We want them to lead in godly ways. We want them to lead um, our hearts and our homes. Um, Sometimes we got to help them do that. So we're talking about um, the resources available at Promise Keepers and through Promise Keepers and Um, We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great faith radio podcasts like mine? Search Susie Larson Live at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. We're continuing our conversation with Ken Harrison from Promise Keepers. You can find lots of resources at promisekeepers.org. Ken, let's talk about, you know, friendship and men, the need for friendships. Um, We've got guys on the text line right now, Scott in Madison, uh, Wisconsin, and and we've got David saying, hey, 70% of pastors that I know, uh, I I bet he's quoting um, a statistic here, um, they don't have one close friend um, if it's not the person that they're married to. Um, there's just lots of folks struggling, right, in the area of friendship, Christians included among them or not. We don't escape that. Talk about how men cultivate friendships at different stages of life. Like, you know, if you what if you're 50 or 60 something and you fall into this category of not really having real friends? Like, how do you make one now? How do you make an old friend? Maybe that's the good question. How do you how do you make a new old friend? Carmen, this is I, I mean, you always ask such great questions and this is a really a key one. So our entire culture today, because of technology, the way culture is today, that society's come together, is we make relationships like women make relationships. Women make relationships by communicating. So they make relationships by going to lunch by going to church and, and talking in the foyer for 45 minutes while their kids pulling on their, their you know, skirt saying, let's go home. Men make relationships by doing. 
men can have relationships with each other once a week for 20 years and never truly be friends because we have to earn trust in each other. And we don't earn trust by what someone says. We earn trust when we see some, them do something. So when guys get together around a common activity that they're passionate about, that's when they really develop trust. So when, when I'm fishing with a guy and the fish gets off and he explodes and loses his temper and then we all laugh at him or whatever that's when men start to truly become friends and we don't have enough men doing things together and so i encourage pastors everywhere i go what are you doing for your men not to have a 6 30 in the morning bible study that's great but what do you do about having basketball leagues and skiing leagues or you know hunting what are you doing to get your men together and i get blank looks so for men they, we lose that we've lost that idea and identity but I would say you want to make friends, go out and do stuff with guys. And then I would say to women, a lot of times, you know, women are working all week. Men are working all week. Saturday comes and the wife's like, wait a minute, you want to go play golf with Sam? I don't. I mean, what about me? I, I will tell you that the way to get your husband um, to have more joy in his life and be a better man is to get him with good men doing things. And so um, that's what we've seen at Promise Keepers. We've developed this app that we've realized that that was the reason God really brought us back is men could get on the app, um, just go to the app store. But the whole point of it is getting men together in relationships. And we we're talking about going to different cities and getting enough men. The next city we're going to go after, I think is Phoenix. Um, so we can get 50,000 men or so together in one city where we actually get men together in community, doing things together around common interests. I love that. I love that. All right. So you guys can check that out. You can connect with that at promisekeepers.org. All right. I have another topic um, here for you as well. Um, I, I want you to talk about like how men lead families over time because it's there's a different reality. I have these young guys, right, and in, in my life, and it's different for them to, you know, just lead their family when it's just themselves and their wife, like that's a different leadership role and capacity than when sure. life changes and they either have kids or they find out they can't have kids. Um, and then there's the leading your children when they're small versus leading your children when they're teens versus leading your family when your children are actually out of the house and young adults. That never ends. And then there's this sort of like role of grandpa or patriarch. Can you just touch a little bit on how leadership in a family changes as your family changes over time? Yeah. So um, for every man out there listening to this, every daughter wants a father who makes her feel secure and safe. And this is her safe place. And every son wants a father who's his hero. Now, the issue can be if you were a good dad, you may have had that. Both your sons and your daughters at some point realize that you can never make her completely safe. And he realizes you're not as big of a hero as he thought. You're not as strong as he thought, right? You go through that that age or they go through that age. For dads who've screwed up, a lot of us have screwed up. I tell them all the time, the most valuable words a husband or a father can know are, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's something so strong, so vulnerable, and so excellent about going to your child and saying, you know what? When it came to this thing, I screwed up and I, 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 would you please forgive me? And I tell people all the time, my apology is acknowledging what you did, acknowledging how it affected the other person and then asking for forgiveness. So an apology is not saying, Hey, I was late. I'm sorry. That's not an apology. And an apology is saying, honey, I'm late. I was late and I didn't value your time. 
I put my time over yours and it it's had you sit here for 10 minutes for no reason. And I'm really sorry. That was arrogant of me and it won't happen again. That's an apology. But I don't care how old your kids are, how embittered they are against you. If there's someone here listening to this and your kids are in their 40s or their 50s and they may never show up. But the, the value of you going and saying, you know, that thing when you were 17, you know, that thing I said to you when you were six I'm so sorry. And I don't mean dredging up everything in the past, but I mean, if there's something there that's between you, be a man. That's what being a leader is. Take the bull by the horns. It really works well with your wife too, by the way, because marriages, I've been married 32 years. There are times over, over time of marriage where there are things that have happened that you wish hadn't. And you can go back and say, I'm, you know, I remember 20 years ago when my wife was going through something with her mother and I was so unempathetic about it. And I went back to her a year ago and go, you know, I was just thinking about that. And I, I was just too young and immature to have known. But now that I'm older, I look back and go, man, I wish I could go back with the man I am today and be with you then. I'm sorry that I wasn't the man you needed at that time. Those kinds of things make relationships so strong. So on the one hand, I talked about what never changes. Your kids will always want that relationship with you, even if they've become embittered. But as you get older, you never stop being a dad. And I don't care if your son or daughter makes more money than you ever did or has a higher position or what the things will be. They need that steady person they can come to and say, what about this? How do I react to that? You never stop being the patriarch. And uh, I know that's a bad word in today's culture. But so what? I mean, we're, we live in an evil culture. Be the patriarch of your family. Be a man. Yeah, I, I feel so blessed to be um, you know, married to a man who is like a genuine godly patriarch in our family. And um, I mean, I got to tell you, like we got three grown kids who, you know, are now starting their families and they're all building houses on our street. And there's one reason for that. Mm-hmm. They want their kids to grow up with their dad. Like they, this is where they want to be because, because of their dad. I mean, because of my husband. And, um, and so I, I get this and I, and yet, um, you know, when I think of my sweet, my sweet husband and the losses he's experienced, his, one of his dear friends was murdered just a couple of years ago, and then his brother died two years ago, and he's experiencing a fresh loneliness in terms mm-hmm. of friendship. Um, and yet, he's you know he's this wonderful, great, good, and godly man, and certainly influencing emerging generations. Um, but there's this new loneliness in terms of this question about my old friends, like, right, how do I make a new old friend? So I'm going to um, share today's conversation with him. I know it's been a blessing to others. We've got guys texting in saying thank you. Scott in um, in Wisconsin, uh, in particular here, um, faithful listener who, you know, is saying thank you so much um, for this conversation today, encourages uh, Christians to check out church websites and call the churches in your area and ask, what are you doing for men and then get them um, get them plugged in. So Amen. thank you. Thank you so very much. Um, all right. We will visit again. This conversation is one that is ongoing. So Ken, thank you so much for joining us today. That's Ken Harrison. You can find him at promisekeepers.org. Um, hey, reminder to send me a text message today um, uh, about what's going on, where you are, how we can be praying for you. It's been a great week here together. Thank you so much again for everybody who uh, participated in our one-day fundraiser uh, earlier this week. Just what a blessing. Have a great weekend. You can do like... 
Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.